I want to talk to you for a moment on the subject that we've been on for a few weeks. In Proverbs 22, verse number 7, it says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. One more time. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is what? Come on, you all talk to me. Is what? Slave to the lender. Say this out loud. I am nobody's slave. Come on, say it one more time. I am nobody's slave. One more time, real confidently, I am nobody's slave. Glory to God. Now, in order for that to be absolutely true, then we are going to have to get out of debt and stay out of debt. And the reason why I say that is because of what the Word says. The Bible says that the rich rule over the poor and the borrower, anybody, anybody born again or not born again, love the Lord or doesn't have anything to do with them. Anybody that borrows, the Bible says they are slave to the lender. Now, we like to think I am nobody's slave. But as long as we have that loan, as long as we have that note, then Scripture says we are slave in that situation. Understanding that there is no middle class is very important to the effort of getting out and staying out of debt. So over the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about a subject that's simply called there is no middle class. Now, I don't know what you personally believe about that. You may believe that there is a middle class. You might be in the middle class, whether it's lower middle class or middle middle class or even upper middle class. You might believe that there is, but from what we see in Scripture, the Bible doesn't talk about the rich, the poor, and those that are somewhere in between. I mean, not just in one verse, but in many different passages, there are two groups in the Scripture, those that are rich financially and those that are poor financially. We said to you that the middle class is a superficial construct designed by the rich of this world to make the poor think that they are not. Now, I think that's a pretty good definition, but I made it up. <laughs> but think about that for a moment. The rich uh, made up the concept of middle class only to make poor people think that they're not poor. So that they can keep working to make them rich. I'm preaching better than you saying amen. So we've over the past few weeks have asked the question, are we the rich or are we the poor? Now you may have, you know, a comfortable income. You may live in a really nice house. You may drive a really, really nice car. And, you know, you're good with where you are at in life, you know, of course, everybody could stand to have a little more, maybe. Well, the rich, you know, maybe they don't feel like they need any more. But most people, the average American, could, could, could feel like, well, I could stand to have a little more. If we take a good look at our financial situation, on which side do we really fall? 
The word rich literally means to have an abundance. That means you have more than enough and plenty besides. You have too much. Now, remember this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9, and this is just a quick review. The Bible says, you know, the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor so that by his poverty, he could make you rich. God wants to make you rich. Amen. And I hope you believe that. I mean, there are many different scriptures that talk about God wanting to make you rich. For example, in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22, the Bible says that the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. When you look at John chapter 10 and verse number 10, it says that the thief comes only but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, literally, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. God wants you to have more than enough. You know, some of us get a little bit uncomfortable when we talk about giving and money and paying somebody's car off. But that shouldn't bother you if you've got more than enough. You ought to be looking. Come on, I could get some better amens than that. You ought to be looking for opportunity to be a blessing. But listen, when you barely have enough for yourself, it bothers you when, you, when somebody's talking to you about giving, right? Because you don't have enough to do what you want to do, let alone helping somebody else to do what they need to do. Mm -hmm. The Bible also says in the book of um, 3 John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper, that you would have financial prosperity and have physical prosperity, be in health even as your mind and your spirit prosper. Does God want to make you rich? Oh, absolutely he does. Well, last week I introduced a a, a scripture from a translation that I hadn't seen. And I want you to notice in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse number 19, it says this. If you will only let me help you, if you will only obey, then I will make you rich. Wow, that, 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 that's phenomenal. Amen? Does that bless anybody else other than me? Say this out loud. God wants to make me rich. Do you believe that? And I've endeavored to convince you from the Scripture, not what I have to say about money and prosperity, but what the Bible has to say about money and prosperity, trying to convince you that God wants to make you rich. We learned last week that we, number one, have to be willing to hear. It says, you know, if if you will only let me help you, if you would be willing. We have to be willing to hear what God has to say about the subject of money. I mean, praise God for Susie Orman and Dave Ramsey and many other so-called financial experts that are in this world system. But God also has wisdom about resources and money. So the first thing is we learn that we have to be willing to hear what God has to say about the subject of money. And then the second thing we have to do is we have to be obedient to what God says. 
not just about money, about everything, but if we're going to be in a position for God to make us rich, we have to be obedient to what God says about money. We also, through this mini-series, have asked ourselves the question, do we need a physician financially? See, if you don't feel, if, if you don't feel sick, then you're not going to go to the hospital and get help. Amen? And the Bible said that Jesus came not for those that are well, but for those that are sick. So we examine the question, do I need a physician financially? Well, if you have any of these symptoms in your financial life, then you need a financial physician. If you have any amount of debt, whether small or large, then you need to let Jesus be your physician financially. If you lack ownership, if you don't own your own home, if you don't own outright your own car, if that furniture isn't completely and totally paid for, then I submit to you that you may need that you need Jesus to be your physician financially. If you have a low net worth or little cash reserve, then I challenge you, let Jesus be your physician financially. But the message for today is called don't die in the wilderness. Don't die. I appeal to you. I urge you. Don't get comfortable in this wilderness of life. In order to understand that, let me give you some scripture. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 5, the Bible says, But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. This scripture passage is talking about the children of Jacob. God promised Jacob that if he would obey him, that not only would he bless him, but he would bless all of his children. And he had, of course, 12 children that became the 12 sons of Jacob, or as when he was blessed and his name changed, the 12 tribes of Israel. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5, these things, are, uh, it says in verse 5, but most of them God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. So that verse is talking about all of the children of Israel that came out of Egypt in the book of Exodus and were headed to the land of promise. A land of abundance, a land that flowed with milk and honey. When they went to spy out the land, they brought back clusters of grapes carried between two men. It was a land full of the blessing of the Lord. But millions of them died in the wilderness. They died in this in-between. So this passage obviously does have relationship to us, as you look down in verse number 11. Now, all these things happen to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Now, notice what this verse says in verse 11, is that we need to take a note to the example and the instruction from looking at and observing what happened with the children of Israel so that we don't make the same mistake. And he says God wasn't well pleased with them. They died in a place of not enough. Um, 
when, when, when verse 11, look at verse 11 again. In verse 11, he says, now all these things, say that out loud, all these things. What things is he referring to? I'm glad you asked. All these things happen to them for our example and for our learning. When you look at the story of the children of Israel, they went into bondage because they didn't obey what God told them to do. So they ended up in slavery in Egypt. In Egypt, they did not have enough to do what they had to do. They had to make bricks. But the Egyptians didn't give them what was necessary, and it made it harder for them. They didn't have enough food. They, they were slaves. They were in a land of bondage, or as you could say, they were in a land of, you could put it up for me, a land of not enough. They were in slavery and in bondage. Then they went from there, God sent them a deliverer. And they went from Egypt into the wilderness as we know it. The wilderness, they lived from day to day with the food that was provided. They essentially lived from paycheck to paycheck. They lived from one month to the next. They lived literally from hand to mouth. In the wilderness, they had just enough. They, didn't have, they couldn't save anything. Oh, y'all making me preach too hard. But then there's this place called the promised land, which is a land of abundance, a land of more than enough. So when verse 11 talks about all these things happen to them, we should see three things as it relates to the children of Israel. And these three things could be real in our lives. We could be in a place of bondage where we don't have enough. And if you're in a place right now where you, at the end of the month, have more bills than you have money, then you are in a place of bondage. I know you're free. I know you're saved and Jesus is your Lord. But if you're still slaving to pay your bills and you don't have enough to do it, then the, the, the example to learn from is God doesn't want you in that place. He wants to get you into a land of, bond, uh, of abundance. The second one is don't die in the wilderness. They, millions of them, you can play some soft music for me. Millions of them died in the middle class. They died in a place where they had just enough, just enough this year to get through this year. They didn't have years laid up for them in abundance. They had just enough for their house. They couldn't take care of other people's homes. They couldn't buy somebody else a car. They couldn't buy somebody else a home. They didn't have more than one home themselves. But in the land of promise, God told them, I'll give you goodly houses. Jesus said, if you obey me and follow me for my sake and the gospels, you'll receive now in this life houses. Can you imagine yourself? Someday owning more than one home completely and totally debt-free. The concept of owning a home debt-free, there's some people that struggle with that. No, Pastor, you know, it's good to have, you know, a mortgage because you'll get a tax break. So I'm going to pay two or three times what this house really costs so I can save a, an extra $1,000 I wish I had time to teach you. <laughs> no, go ahead and pay that thing off. And then if you want a, a summer house in Florida or in Colorado, 
Come on, or some other part of the world that you can have more than one house. Amen. So what are we supposed to learn? What do we learn from this instruction? All I'm challenging you to do is be willing to hear what God says about the subject of money. And then number two, be obedient to what God says about everything, but especially about money. Next week, I'm going to finish this mini-series calling it uh, the part that I'm going to have. We're going to talk about fake prosperity next week. Man, if that doesn't help you not want to die in the middle class, then I don't know what will. But I believe. How many of y'all received this today? Amen. Is that good? I believe that will bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we get ready to uh, pray, the prayer of blessing over our tithes and offerings this week, I just want to encourage you from, from this uh, position. Uh, we have several opportunities that are before us. Uh, we currently have a faith project. Can I give you all an update? Uh, if you could give me some upbeat music, please. Um, I want to give you an update on our C project. Just two weeks ago, on January the 10th, my wife and I sowed $2,400 into the brand new seed fund project. Now, just to tell you all where we're going. Uh, We are in a a rented facility in the middle of a pandemic, and we're almost filled. We're almost full. Now, before the pandemic, we were already almost full. We need our own building, right? But on December the 13th, we claimed our own building by sowing a seed into another church that was in a building project. Amen? We could very easily have started a building fund project to start receiving money so that we could set aside to get our own facility. But because we as a congregation are so convinced in the laws of sowing and reaping, we are constantly looking for opportunities to sow into other churches that are believing to do what we're believing to do. Because the Bible says, as what you would for men to do to you, you do also unto them. How many of you all want other churches and ministries and people to find out that faith family needs a church and give us a building completely and totally debt-free. Amen. Well, then we ought to make that happen for other churches and ministries. So before we collect or receive a dime for our own, we're receiving seed to sow into other churches and ministries. Well, we've already sold into the Distinction Church $21,000 just a few months, uh, just a month ago. But now the Lord's put on my heart for us in 2021 to believe him for $100,000 to sow into other churches and ministries. Amen. Amen. And we started with the first church for this year is the, is, uh, the Rock Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This gentleman... Uh, Billy Joe Watts was one of my instructors at Raymond. He made a tremendous impact on my life. Well, I found out in October of 2020, just a couple months ago, that they, like us, are meeting uh, online. And that before the pandemic, they were meeting in a high school. They don't have their own building. And so it's on my heart that we have an opportunity to sow into the Rock Church. They have no idea. Amen. They have no idea that we're receiving offerings so that we could sow seed into them. But I believe God will honor us. God will honor our seed and multiply it many times over. 
So now listen, as your pastor, one in spiritual authority, this is an opportunity to do good to the household of faith. We're believing and claiming out of this world system, not your bank account, but claim out of this world system seed to sow. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 that God gives seed to the sower and bread for food. So what I'm asking you to do is pray about a specific amount that you have or that you want to sow and then believe God for it. I'm also asking you to believe to sow one of the biggest seeds that you've ever sown into this project. Now, there's going to be other projects that come up. So if now's not, uh, if you don't have any direction from the Lord to sow into this project, there'll be another one that comes up. But I can tell you this, God is watching how we react over someone else's building to see how serious we are about having our own. (laughs) I'm preaching good today. Amen. So pray about it. If you've never sown a significant seed like a $500 offering, if you believe God today, God before the end of this month will cause $500 to come to you. It could be in the form of a rebate check. Some unexpected money will show up in your account. And when it does, it's God giving you seed to sow. Don't eat your seed. Don't think, well, they, this is a refund from my insurance from last year. Oh, and I, this came right at the start. I need, I need this to pay for this, this, this refrigerator went out. Praise God. No, no. If you believe.